Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Many thanks for joining us on the Journal of Biophilic Design today. We're really excited to be joined by Jennifer Bryan, who I know quite a few of you are going to recognize her name. She is a TEDx speaker. Um, she's also an author. She um, is founder of the AB Change Consultancy. She is known as well as the Change Master, um, driving people-centric resilient, cha resilient change by putting people at the heart of decision-making, which people who um, are involved in biophilic design will be really thrilled to know because that's what we're all about, <laughs> people-centric design. So if we can kind of use a few tools that you're going to give us in this podcast to kind of help persuade um, our clients to get biophilic design into um, spaces and designs and planning and all that kind of thing, um, then um, that's great. <laughs> so um, she's, she's worked with household names like Philips and Fujitsu, RBS, Barclays, Lloyds Bank, Sky, loads of people. Um, really, Jennifer, it's a privilege to have you here today. Thank you so much, Vanessa. It's it's actually a privilege to be here. I I, I love coming and um, speaking to to people about uh, people centric change. I'm very passionate about it. And you and I have met a few times at, at other events, and I, I very much enjoyed our conversation. So it's great to be here. Thank you. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, and obviously, we, we've met particularly at Workplace Trends. And yes. you are speaking um, at Workplace Trends on Wednesday, the 18th of October in London. Um, people, if you've never been before, you must go. It's great for networking, um, of course. But um, it's, a, it's, it's fantastic for learning about workplace trends, uh, change, trends, um, ideas, inspiration. Um, and Jennifer, you're going to be speaking about adopting foresight into people-centric change at 11 o'clock on the Wednesday the 18th. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm going to put a link to the um, how people can register on the website. Um, okay, great. You're going to be telling us about that shortly. So thank you. Um, but before we launch into that, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, obviously, I know you're not from around here. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not from lo you're not local. Um, but maybe also what got you into change, if that's OK. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. No, I do say to people, um, uh, I'm from a little island in the middle of the Atlantic called Jennifer's Island. <laughs> and, and that's why my... My accent goes all over the place. I grew up in the States, uh, but I live here and I'm British. How I got into change was very much uh, through a uh, HR learning development route. And uh, I had started designing, delivering some training courses. And um, I was I was asked uh, with a, by a telecoms company and, and technology company. Really what I started to notice is that in the most simplest of ways, there is no change without learning and there's no learning without change. The two go very much hand in hand. And so when I was talking about learning and doing and, and teaching people to go through change and, and as a result of that, that just became very synonymous with, with everything. And, and hence I very smoothly moved into the, the change world. Yeah. And obviously you've um you speak all over the world with it and you speak to different clients and things. Um and obviously you must see um you must see the penny drop sometimes, like you say, it's about knowledge. Oh, yes. Yeah. It, it it is. It is about knowledge, but it's about I mean the penny drops many times when people just it you know, they're trying to do the best they can. It's not that they're not trying to do things in an unpeople centric way. It's just they don't really think about it from that people-centric perspective. And uh, and it's not until you go, well, 
how do you think they might think or feel? What do you mean? It's going to be efficient. It's going to make it easier. I said, but do they know that? And do they really want that? And they're like, ah, oh, hmm. <laughs> hadn't thought it that way you know it's 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 things like that and and sometimes you know the answers to the questions we're seeking are really obvious and they're right there in front of us but we just don't always see them yeah I mean, maybe you could explain what what you know what is it that you you do um obviously you help people with change and implement change and from a leadership point of view um can you maybe just sort of kind of give us a um, an overview of what you do so people can understand thanks yes of course so um i help people on the leading change aspects and um i do it in loads of different ways i do a lot of coaching um and mentoring and and i have as a result a lot of coaching and mentoring packages and things that i that i offer i also um consult and work with organizations to build that change muscle internally because from my perspective when i'm consulting I'm there for, as a temporary resource. And, um, you know, and hence it's about building the internal resource that's going to stay um, uh, from that perspective. And so that's, uh, so obviously I do uh, consulting work. I also write a lot of articles. I've done lots of videos. I do speaking engagements um, and come and do training courses. There's a couple of training courses that I, that are kind of signature pieces that I do, but I also tailor things to what's going on with the organization itself. What are the big challenges and barriers that they are dealing with um, when it comes to change? Is it their senior leaders that are struggling with it? Is it the middle managers? Actually, is it the line managers or is it building a change network and um, the champion? and and helping them and you know so it can be all of those um so that's all the different ways in which i i help them um from that standpoint it it's but the big thing in in all of it um in all of those different areas it's very much about helping people understand what i call the end person in mind approach and what that's all about is if you think about the person who is the furthest away from the decision making room. And I usually use uh, a few avatars. Uh, when I talk about that, I have Sam and Norwich, Jane and Tay and Maria in Brazil. And essentially, I will use those avatars to say, why, what is it about Sam in regards to this change? How is he thinking and feeling about life? right now what's going on for him and when he first that initial moment when he first hears about the change whether it's at the water cooler or a town hall or an email or a poster or the gossip or whatever when he first hears about it if you can make that initial moment for sam positive then there is a really high probability you will have a positive initial moment for everybody else in between and that's the first big hurdle when it comes to change um it's, it's kind of tying in really with what you're going to potentially going to be speaking about or potentially or not potentially speaking about you are speaking about but potentially tying in with that <laughs> um, yes. yes about this adopting foresight so before is yes. it often before you and make open your mouth and before you even make that change if you're the business you know if you're about to implement that change it's adopting foresight um mm. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're speaking 
on there and yes. what you're yes. going to be covering, please. Yes, of course. So um, last year I embarked on a research project in collaboration with Henley Business School okay. and uh, at Reading University and a futurist named Steve Wells. Um, Steve and I have worked quite a lot together, actually, in bringing foresight and change together. And um, what the research project was all about was um, working with some of the members, um, which is the organizations that are associated with the research forum at Henley, and helping them adopt foresight. And it was a volunteering um, project. And what I'm going to be sharing at the summit is actually the findings of that, of, of what organizations, uh, how, how did they find doing that? Um, from that standpoint. And there's some very key findings. Uh, I don't, don't want to spoil things um, from that standpoint, but there's some really key of what they found difficult mm -hmm. and, um, and doing it and what they found easy um, from that standpoint. And so it, that, that was really quite, um, quite telling. And I think it's synonymous to a lot of organizations, I think, find leading change much less trying to bring foresight into change as well fantastic well i'm looking forward to um hearing what those uh what the research um results are and and what mm -hmm. you found um and again just people in case they've fast forwarded to this point uh, jennifer's <laughs> going to be speaking at the workplace trends conference in london on the wednesday the 18th of october 2023 in case you're listening to this next year <laughs> so, <laughs> um Lovely. Um, obviously, we, this is about biophilic design here. Um, mm -hmm. and before we obviously we've spoken in the past about biophilic design. Yeah. I know you you love the whole kind of concept of nature inspired design and biophilia. Mm. Um, mm. You you yourself have experienced the difference. Um, you know, being in a in one location and then being moved to a place where there were sort of biophilic elements in. Can you just kind of um, just tell us how that felt for you and what, what where oh, you gosh, yeah. was you were working? <laughs> yeah, when where 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 I was at, um, I was working um, with a uh, central government department, and we were in this building, and it was old, it was dirty, it was dark. Um, there was no biophilia at all whatsoever. There was instead lots of boxes everywhere. There's lots of um, cabinets and junk, <laughs> just stuff. And it was depressing to, mm. to, to work in, to be fair. Mm. Um, and as a result, whenever there was even the remotest opportunity uh, to go out of the building because there was no places to go and meet except in meeting rooms and formal meeting rooms and they'd be big and this that and the other so the, the whenever you just had a catch-up meeting or whatever you're like let's go out let's go to the let's go to the coffee shop and um and so and, and you would just go you, you'd get out of dodge just as quick as you could um because it was really depressing really depressing then um the department decided to move into a it was a brand new building um and it was light it was airy there was so much light coming in there was lots of uh, biophilia everywhere and all of the communal spaces and then at the end of a bank of desks there'd just be a plant of some description here there and, and it was just so much nicer to work in we as a result, you could end up staying in the building the whole time and not and not even realize it yeah. to a degree. 
and um, it just made all the difference in the world. And it just, everybody just got, you just kind of went, huh, rather than. <laughs> so it, from a feeling perspective, it was just a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it really, it does. It really makes a difference, doesn't it? When you've experienced yes. it. And particularly, particularly like those buildings that were built in and kind of still operating from the 80s, really, mm. you know, even though we sort of, you know, they might have like, might have sort of titivated a little bit, which maybe changed the carpet if we're lucky, you know, mm -hmm. you know, but tends to be still of that mindset, doesn't it? Because it's just replacing when something breaks, they just replace it with the same or similar rather than we can do something different. You know, and, and actually in this country, we've got a lot... 80s it would be quite modern in some cases um <laughs> i worked for a a bank and um very big bank and i was in an office and again it was it was like a bunker you know yeah. it's the biggest bunker um <laughs> that i have ever come across because it was several i mean it was really long but again it was dark there was no biophilia it was the the most dirtiest office I ever worked in as well mm. chairs were broken all over the place oh. there was no there, you know you just were like yeah can we um, go yeah. somewhere else yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's not going to make you do your best work is it you know no it, it really affects productivity it really does and um it's you, you have to wonder what is it that why people think that just making do and and oh that'll you know, okay, yeah, that chair is a little broken, but it's fine. You yeah. know, it's like, come on, let, this is your, this is this is your work home. Yeah, I was going like to say, it's like home, isn't it? You're there for yeah. hours, so you, you are, know. and in it, you know, a workplace is an investment, mm -hmm. and you need to actually invest in investment. You would, you wouldn't live in a house necessarily. I mean, I guess some some people, I'm sure, do, but given a choice you you wouldn't just sit in a house that hasn't been touched from a decorative perspective since the 50s or 60s mm. you would do something to it you'd paint the walls you put some new carpet in you know little things that you know you you can you can do quite easily you'd get some new lamps in things like that yeah why not the same with your workplace yeah, absolutely. And and obviously with all the research that's been done from this point of view as well, we know mm. that it um, increases productivity and improves well-being and mental health and creativity and yeah. and all those things that reduces presenteeism and absenteeism and all the other isms as well that go along with those things. Um, but obviously you are an expert in, in sort of change and um, kind of in, encouraging people to think differently in order mm. to bring about this change. So um, just sort of following on from what we're saying really is how do we, how do we get um, those managers, those people, those business owners to change? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe first of all, we could say, you know, why is it that people resist change? I mean, what's going on for them sometimes, you know, is there, I mean, obviously it's always going to be different for different scenarios. Mm. I suppose some people, their hands are tied. They don't have the control of the budgets, but those who do, and it's in their remit. And like we say, you know, some of the people go to the, the guys and say, oh, you know, we're going to put some plants in, we're going to have natural light, we're going to change the light bulbs, we're going to be amazing, it's going to be fantastic. But they still say, yeah, 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 but that's fluffy. And yeah, well, that's mm. not really important. And then they dismiss it and don't even listen. How do we, I mean, what's going on for them? Um, you know, first of all, is there, have we got any sort of insights in 
to what yeah. might be going on. Yeah. I mean, there are eight different reasons why people resist change. So, oh, okay. but I'm going to put, put that aside. Mm -hmm. And, and what it really boils down is people understanding um, the, so what? Yeah. Um, from that standpoint. And what, what many times happens is when we are experts in our area um, or, and, or even just work and do something every day, um, all day, every day, we, we forget that other people aren't in that same space and we, and they need to, we need as a result, be able to articulate that so what, but also it needs to be that so what for them. Yeah. So when it comes to um, helping leaders and, and, and managers and um, really understanding that it's not just fluff mm. um, from that standpoint, it's actually getting them to visualize and, and understand it from a slightly different angle, because if we're just telling them, then it, it's, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other yeah. um, from that standpoint. So what I would really recommend is get them to stop and think about something in a different way um, and, and flip it around. So for example, you say to them, right, when did you last go on holiday? And, and where was that? Oh, it was at the beach or it was a hiking holiday or it was camping or it was, I said, and why did you decide to go there? Oh, we really like the trees, the mountains, the ocean. I like to hear da, 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 da. I said, wouldn't it be great if you could bring elements of that mm. into the workplace? Because mm. if that's where you want to go and relax and you enjoy, and that's what brings, it de-stresses you. Wouldn't it be great if you could have an element of that every day you're in the office? And that's when they can go, Ah, okay. So it's just it's just taking the the element and and it's instead of telling, it's asking questions, mm. and because then they are in charge of the answers and coming up with the solutions themselves, and they go, oh, well maybe we could get some more light in or different light bulbs that um that then um, make us feel this or we can bring some plants and maybe we should have some flowers and maybe you know this that the other perhaps fruit is fruit a good thing should we you know and then they start going oh well what it you know and they start thinking you get their imagination going and that's when you actually really get them to change um, from that standpoint because just telling them is it going to work no no exactly. the the to buy in really kind of get them to almost mm. come up with the ideas and exactly exactly so it, it's 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 going into their world mm. and you can only go into their world by asking questions mm. that's very true actually was this really interesting about the um you know the reasons why people uh, resist change you said there are eight more or less eight reasons and mm -hmm. i know you've got a book um sort of leading people in change and uh, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But um, can you tell us a little bit, maybe, a, you know, a couple of reasons why people resist change and a bit about what your book's about as well? 
Yeah, sure, of course. So, I mean, people will resist change, as I said, for a whole host of different reasons. Sometimes it's because they don't understand the change. Yeah. Sometimes it's because it's um, how they've perceived it or how it's been approached yeah. as well. So, um, and and then there's, of course, a, a lot of other areas where it's, you know, fear or emotional and um, it's, it, oh, you know, we don't do that around here. Um, kind of scenario, so historical. So there's there's several different reasons. And what the thing to, that that about resistance that's really, really key is so many people are afraid of the resistance. You know, that's one of the key elements when it comes to change, like, oh, I don't want to deal with the resistance, the big R word, mm -hmm. and so forth. And what I say to people is actually, resistance is fine. Mm -hmm. You don't need to worry about it. It's okay. It's actually very human to to resist even mm -hmm. positive change. You know, if you're if you suddenly um, won the lottery, you're you're not going to go, oh yay, straight away. You're going to go, wait a minute, did I get that right? Is that <laughs> is that you know is that am I? Am, no. Let me. You know, that's resistance. Yeah. You know, so even if it's a positive change, we will resist. So it's fine. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to um, be afraid of it. It's human. Mm -hmm. The only thing you need to understand is where it may be coming from. Mm -hmm. Because when you understand where it may be coming from, then you actually can start to manage it. Mm -hmm. So using the scenario I just shared with you in regards to asking questions about really understanding what makes the leader tick um, mm -hmm. from that standpoint. That That is actually understanding where they are coming from. And mm -hmm. hence you can underpin from that what might be um, the reason why they are resisting. Yeah. And, and that's why the, asking those questions is really poignant. You, you know, and you could just, you could, you take them on a bit of a journey um, from that standpoint, you're saying, so where did you go on holiday? Why did you go there? You know, what is it you like about that? Mm -hmm. And you go, wouldn't it be great to have an element of that at work mm -hmm. so that you can experience it every day? Mm -hmm. Who's going to say no to that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's encouraging them to really, like, like we said earlier, you know, to for them to make the decision almost really mm -hmm. to come up with the ideas to kind of steer them get them yeah. to understand it so ask the questions understand why it is that they're resisting the change um yeah. and then kind of inspiring them to do, to do different i suppose well it, it's not just an inspiring to do different it's as you said it is about understanding where they're coming from but then once you understand where they come from then you can start to think okay how can i help them mm start to think slightly differently so mm -hmm. if it's um you know because it may be that the way you approached it with change and they're just looking at cost oh the fluff oh yeah i guess make everybody mm, <laughs> and, and this that and the other well, that that can be the change approach and how it was it was how it was done or how they heard it so how mm -hmm. they perceived it from that standpoint or they've gone well we've never done that around here before why do we have to suddenly do that now Mm -hmm. You know, so from a historical perspective or um, or maybe it's just 
but um, a fear of, well, yes, we put this stuff in, but what if someone's allergic to this, that, and the other? And, and then I've got to deal with that. And that's because opens up a whole nother can of worms. And you know, so mm -hmm. it's about understanding where they are coming from. Mm -hmm. And, and that way we can use a multiple of different tactics, which are outlined in the book mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. actually approach uh, and, and, and manage the change, because that's all we have to do when it comes to resistance um it's about knowing where it's come from so that we can manage it yeah. um because at the end of the day it's going to happen so it's fine you know it's, you know it is what it is you <laughs> you know it we that it's just it's human it's part of our instincts not part of our makeup yeah. um from that standpoint you know we did we started from when we were toddlers and you know and we're two going why 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 you never got rid of that we still want to know why, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And and actually, it's funny because the, the, obviously, I'm producing this, this journal of hyperlink design, the ebook and the printed mm -hmm. version and these podcasts. And it's, it's, it is because of that. It's because people go, well, when I'm, when I'm, you know, they go, why do I need to do it? Why do I need to bring that in? So, Exactly. The way with the way I've sort of divided up, you know, there's one on healthcare, there's one on the workplace, there's one on home. So all these different designers, and there's one on creativity. So they can literally just get hold of the journal and just stick it in their face <laughs> and say, "Look, there you go. There's a whole bunch of evidence and case studies." Yeah. You know, if if you were gonna um give um any designers kind of like some little elements in their little toolbox, as it were, mm -hmm. you know, sort of toolbox, toolbox of persuasion, which I, yes. kind of, I kind of like the idea of. Um, <laughs> what would you, um, what advice would you give them? I know you sort of touched on some quite a few things here, but um, yeah, yeah. you know, what, would, what sort of key things would you say? Right. So um, I would say there's three key words you need to be able to really know um, and not from a fluffy perspective of efficiencies effectiveness productivity no it needs to be from the heart mm -hmm. um, of this individual and and, and that's going to sing for people yeah. and that is first of all you need to know why what is it you're trying to do and why mm -hmm. from that standpoint secondly is why now why not six months ago or, or in six months time why does it need to be now and thirdly how are people are going to think and feel about it? Is this something they really want? Is this something that they see as a nice to have? Mm -hmm. Is this something they see as a complete way? Why are you even bothering? Mm -hmm. So how do people think and feel about it? You need to know the answers to those three questions. And that is really, really key um, when it comes to helping people on the on the journey and change and start to change there because when you know the the answers to those questions you can actually start to first of all understand things from their perspective and understand from from their arena so going back to that in person and mind approach and when you've got that then you can start to say okay well based on that this is how we should actually be this is what we need to say this is what we need to do this is how we need to say it how we need to do it because that's really really key like you know the whole thing with biophilic design the time is now and um, there's so much information on why we need it the whole sustainable um the sd you know the the, the sustainable development goals all these things trying to reach oh, yeah. you know net zero by 2030 biophilic design really supports that it helps you know, there are so many um so many reasons why we need it so that 
that's really good. Those are three simple questions that you've suggested, I think are really good for people to hang the purpose mm-hmm. and the incentives as well. Um, yeah, but they, they also need to really come from the heart. Um, and, you know, the, the data and the, and the stats are great and that's something we need to back it up, but we need to actually be able to articulate it. Why is it that Maria in Brazil should really care about this? Mm. What is it about what's going on in her world mm. that this is going to make a really big difference and she needs to care about it because of. Yeah, amazing. Um, I'm going to ask you the last question in a minute, um, the magic question I ask everybody. But before before we go, is there anything that you would else you would like to add? Oh, goodness. Um, I think it's very much about, I mean, we, we've talked about it throughout this entire um, mm-hmm. podcast, but, you know, it's about really, really understanding that change is about people. And, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people go, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. But it's about understanding that when it comes to people, there's no formula mm. um, for people. Um, and there is no one way answer either. And that's challenging and, and, and it's hard. So the big key is if getting to understand the people in that, in that a lot of the um, answers there in the culture of the organization, you just go, you stop, you sit in the cafe, or you sit in the middle and you just watch how people work, how they're reacting, what's going on for them. How are they feeling? Are they feeling anxious? Cause there's um, the marketplace isn't uh, buoyant at the moment, or are they feeling really quite fabulous because um, things are going great for them? Or, or are they stressed out because things aren't working? You know, just stop, look around, see what all is going on for people. Because although we can't sit there and um, say, all right, that, that works for Joe, that works for Maria, that works for um, Simon, that works for uh, Len, that works for um, Ahmed, that works, you know, we, there's, you know, in an organization, there's too many people. There's a lot more people than there are us. Mm-hmm. But the more we can think about them and try and understand what we think could be going on for them, then the better we will be equipped. And also um, don't forget, you could actually just go and ask them, you know, Mm -hmm. just go and ask a few people. It doesn't have to be some great big, huge focus group set up and this, that, and the other. You could just walk up and say, you know what, if there was a few plants, would you like that? You know, what would, if you could change anything in this workplace, in this setting, what would it be? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that actually is really powerful data because A, then got um, the, the, the the voice of the people um, and, and some real anecdotal to also then take to the leaders and say, you know what, this is what your people want. They've said it. Yeah. And, and you don't necessarily have to say, Joe, do you mind if I quote you here? I'll just say project manager from such and such said, blah, 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 you know, but, but if you can go and ask, and if Joe is happy for you to use that as a quote, yeah, I think it'd be great if we had this, we say, do you mind if I actually share that with other people, Joe? Yeah, whatever, fine, then great. Or actually, mm, not so sure. Um, You're like, okay, how about if I just say project manager? Okay, fine. There's a few of us, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so it's, it's go and ask, stop, take a look around and go and ask. 
that's that's really it's really good advice and i was just thinking just as you're saying i was reflecting on you know i've interviewed quite a few people now and the architects and designers particularly and even and even planners you know sort of town city planners but it does it, the ones that are really successful and the people and those those designers that are really successful they engage the the staff you know it's mm-hmm. not just the person who's you know employed them or yeah. kind of commissioned them they've actually yeah. done they've actually like you just said so that's just such sound advice such sound mm. advice jennifer thanks so much and no um, and the whole thing as well about this sort of foresight i'm just going to read the thing out again but you're um you are speaking at workplace trends um on wednesday the 18th of october 2023 the link is in the uh, the spiel that goes with this bio, bio yeah, the the blog um with the the podcast i know what i'm doing <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, people do come along and listen to uh, the research that she's been uh, conducting. And it's about adopting foresight into people centric change. Um, And it promises to be a really, really, really good um, discussion. And um, obviously, Jennifer will be there all day. So you can collar her and ask her advice. I've I've said it now. So she's now going to have to ask. (laughs) So make sure you come along. And we're going to be there as well. So uh, do come. So Jennifer, last question, final magic Mm. question. If you could paint the world with a magic brush of biophilia, what would it look like? Oh, it would, um, it'd be a beach. That's for sure. Um, I love a beach, a sandy beach um, with crystal clear blue waters and loads of foliage behind. Um, So you have your, I'm going into detail now. So you've got your crystal clear azure blue waters and with this really lovely soft sand and uh, where you can, lay out and just enjoy and then right behind you you've got um lots of tall palm trees and foliage and um 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 uh it's gone out of my hibiscus hibiscus are my favorite flower and so lots of hibiscus all, all around that to me is divine Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.